0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. In week three of our series, The Wonders of Worship, we are joined by the founder and president of the Urban Impact Foundation, the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover. Pastor Ed will be preaching out of the book of Romans in order to address the following question. I wonder if worship is more than just singing. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Pastor Brad, what would you say? is the most common misconception people have about worship (laughs) the most common one is that it's music and it's it's not just music it's that's one aspect of it Uh, but to me really worship is just it's it's our response to god it's obedience you know it's like so when i'm you know doing all that i showed at my workplace and not cutting corners that's obedience Mm -hmm. to god if i'm you know uh loving my wife and my kids in the way that god's called me to that's worship that's obedience if i'm spending time with the Lord and His Word and, and prayer, that's obedience, that's worship. All these things, anything can be worship as we're doing it unto the Lord. Sure. Um, so, but I think, yeah, a lot of people think that worship is just the music, and that's just one one avenue. One avenue. Okay. I would love anyone that would come to our, our church to understand the opportunity that they have to live a lifestyle of worship yeah. and to be in relationship with God as creator. Yeah. There's different aspects. It's not just the singing or the, the uh, praise, but it's also how you treat your spouse, your children, how you raise them, how you, what you do with your finances. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that is an available opportunity for them on a daily basis, which sure. would constitute a lifestyle worship. Yeah. Ultimately, no matter what we do, the only reason our praise is acceptable is because of the cross sure. anyway. So it's like, you know, we're not earning God's favor by no. raising our hands. We're not earning God's favor by, by singing more or something. It's just, we, we do want those things to overflow out of our relationship and, and love for the Lord um, to bless him and bless his people. But at the end of the day, it's the cross and, and Christ that make our praise even acceptable.
1: Amen. I love what Pastor Marcus and Pastor Brad had to say about what worship is. And the reason I love it is because it's true. It's scriptural. They gave us a really good definition of worship. They said, worship is more than music. It's more than singing. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. I'd like to add one word to that definition. The word devotion. So this morning, our working definition as we look at worship will be this. It will be, worship is a lifestyle Of devotion and obedience to God, can you say that with me? Worship is a lifestyle and obedience to God. I say I said that this definition is true because it's scriptural. What we're going to find in our passage this morning in Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two, that will be our reading. Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two. We're going to find our definition. So let's look and see if we can find the word lifestyle in verse 1. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what is your spiritual act of worship that pleases God? It says it right here. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now think about those words. We're to offer our bodies. You are to offer yourself as a what? Living sacrifice. I remember a a woman who used to come here to church. Her name was Beth Fontel. She also used to volunteer down at Urban Impact Foundation. At Urban Impact, we have an eight-week summer day camp. Kids come, the same kids, for eight weeks. She taught an etiquette class to girls. She had six girls in her class. And when the class started, she said, what do you want to get out of the class for the next eight weeks? And one of the girls raised her hand and said, I would like help in my appearance. Another girl raised her hand and said, I would like help in walking with Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I want to learn to walk with Jesus every day. And the rest of the girls shot their hands up and said, Yeah, Miss Beth, that's what we want to learn. We want to learn to walk with Jesus every day. Beth told me, she said, her eyes, as she's listening to those girls, her eyes welled up with tears because she understood that those girls knew and understood That they desired more than just a Sunday morning. They literally longed for God himself. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us in our verse here today. He's saying we're not just, it's not about just music. It's not about just coming on a Sunday morning. We are to worship with a lifestyle. We are to worship Him not just on Sunday, but every day in all that we do. We are to be a living sacrifice every day with our personhood and everything that we do and say. That's what the Apostle Paul is clearly communicating. Let me explain. Let me break that verse down for us. The word offer there is an Old Testament term. It literally means to present once and for all. And what are you supposed to present once and for all? In the Old Testament, they would come with an animal, and that animal was presented. Once you presented it to God, you couldn't get it back because it was sacrificed. But that animal had to be absolutely perfect, without blemish or defect. And if someone came to offer up that animal, and it was, what it was doing, it was symbolic of them, of replacing them. In other words, it was their substitute. So God, that that would be sacrificed. But it had to be without blemish. It had to be without defect. In other words, if the worshiper came and gave what they had given to God, they had given their best, their very best, it was considered holy and pleasing to God. But if they came and they gave their second best, or their leftovers, then it was not holy and pleasing to God. And every... Jewish person who ever participated in worship would have understand, understood those terms. To offer and holy and pleasing to God. The Apostle Paul here is introducing a brand new concept. What he's saying is this. He's saying now those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, where the law has been totally fulfilled, now we no longer come with an animal. We come with our bodies, we come with ourselves, we come entirely with our humanness. Our minds, our bodies, our souls, our might, everything, our spirit. We come and we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Not just once, but every day, every moment, and all that we do, and all that we say. That's why it says, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31... It says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23, And whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. The secret to a lifestyle of worship is to do what you're doing for Jesus Christ, not for men. Not for men. And the only way you're able to do that is if you are consistently surrendering yourself, yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, and obeying the Word of God. That's the only way you can do that. Remember when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well? You all remember that story? It's found in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. And this is what Jesus said to the woman at the well. He said, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The word spirit there is capitalized. You know what Jesus was referring to there? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Why did he say that to the woman? Because he knew his mission. He knew his mission was to come and die on a cross for us. He had come to seek and save that which is lost. He who knew no sin went and died on the cross for those of us who had sinned. He was our sacrifice. Once and for all, he died in our place. And he bare our judgment. And God's judgment fell upon him. And he paid our sin in full. But then he was raised again from the dead. And when he walked out of that grave, now he's made it possible that if anybody wants to call upon his name, they can be saved. They can be saved. And the Bible tells us this. The moment you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you are born again, born again of the Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit. Jesus promised this. And John chapter 16, he told his disciples, he said, there'll be a day that I have to go. And I will leave. But I will send another, and this other will be just like me. He was referring to the Holy Spirit. We know, we know, as we read today, that God is three persons. Father, say it with me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father sent His Son, and then He sends His Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes into every believer and lives within you and within me. He dwells within you. He lives there. That's why the passage says that this is our spiritual act of worship. Spirit, you, God is spirit. The only way you can worship is if you worship in spirit. And then Jesus said, in truth. So, it's a spiritual act of worship. So, no matter what you do, where you go, who you are with, because the Spirit of God dwells in you, you can worship Him no matter what you're doing. When you go and you pray over your food, that's an act of spiritual worship. When you're at your job and you're trying to make decisions and you yield to the Spirit, you ask the Spirit of God to help you, that's an act of worship. When you're doing the diapers, when you're going grocery shopping, when you're playing golf, whatever you're doing in life. If you're yielded to the Holy Spirit and you want to bring glory and honor to him, everything that you do can be a spiritual act of worship. That's why it says this in the scriptures, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. So the Apostle Paul in scriptures agrees with our definition. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time activity. It's not just coming to church. It's not just about music and singing. It's about all that we do, wherever we do it, all week long. You see, worship right now is, is just, what we're doing right now corporately is just a reflection of what we've been doing all week long. If you've been worshiping all week long, when you walk in here... Your life has been dynamic all You might have had some tough times. You might have been going through some difficult things. But your life has been a life of worship. So when you walk in here, it's like just an extension of what you've been doing all week long. Do you see that? But if you haven't been doing that all week long and you come in here, it's almost like sometimes worship can be dead. It's almost like you're sitting here and you just don't feel anything. There's nothing about it. You're almost like sitting there, like you feel like you're on a treadmill going nowhere. And it's because you haven't been really living out an offering to Jesus all week long. Do not depend upon just Sunday morning. Could you imagine plugging in your phone, your iPhone, just on Sunday morning for one hour and expecting that phone to go another 167 hours and be powered up and be useful? No way. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work for us. We've got to be empowered with the Holy Spirit every day of every moment. So when we get here, it's dynamic. It's dynamic. Because we've been dynamic. Because we've been walking in the Spirit. You understand this? Remember, with me, you've got to say something. You everybody got this? Because if you don't, I've got to keep going. You don't want that. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. So all of a sudden, uh, most of us, we get this. All right. Now, our definition says this. Our definition says it's a lifestyle of what? Devotion. Let's look and see where devotion is found in our passage. The Apostle Paul is writing this book Moved by the Holy Spirit, right in the book of Romans, and he says this Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to always ask, What's it there for? It's therefore because Paul is referring to the last 11 chapters of Romans. He's referring back. Let me recap everything he said very quickly. Here we go. Chapters 1 and 3 is referring to sin. And what Paul's dealing with is how all of us stand condemned because of sin. In other words, what, we were, what was happening to us is that we were going to face judgment and death. But then, in chapters 3 and 5, he deals with how through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work, his death and resurrection, we can be forgiven and have peace with God. In other words, we can be saved so that we not we don't have to face judgment we can be forgiven we do not have to face death that we can have eternal life so he deals with sin then he deals with salvation and then he find, and then thirdly he deals with sanctification in verses i mean sorry in chapter 6 through 8 he's dealing with how through the work of the holy spirit we can overcome and live a life of victory rather than defeat how now we can live the Christian life because of the third person of the Trinity dwelling within us so we can live in victory. And therefore, we can worship God in everything that we do. And then he continues in chapters 9 and 11, and he talks about the relationship between Israel and God. And then he comes to chapter 12, and he says this. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of The mercies of God. In other words, all those benefits of those 11 chapters, all that Jesus Christ has done for you, he's saying, I urge you, my brothers. In other words, we have been forgiven of sin. We have been given the spirit and we have been given salvation. And he's saying the only response that you should have is a devotion to the one who loves you and devoted himself to you and set you free. I remember hearing a story about Cyrus. He was the king of the Persian Empire. And Cyrus captured one of his enemies. And his enemy was a prince. And he captured the prince in his family. And the prince was brought before Cyrus. And the king looked at him and said, What would you give to me if I released you? He said, I would, I would give you half my, my wealth. He said, what would you give to me if I released your children? He said, everything I possess. And then he said, what would you give to me if I released your wife? And the prince looked at him and said, majesty, I would give you myself. Story goes that Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he set them all free. He released them. And as they were traveling home, the prince looked at his wife and said, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? And she looked at him with a look of love and devotion for her husband and said this. I didn't notice because my eyes and my heart was fixed on the one who's willing to give himself for me. We were locked in sin, had no way out. We were captured and ruled by Satan. But Jesus Christ came, and because He came, He died in our place, removed sin brought us back into a right relationship with God. And because he walked out of that grave, he has all power and authority to forgive us of our sin. And he is the one who has set us free. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, therefore I urge you, I plead with you, in view of all the mercies that Jesus Christ has provided for you, all the benefits that you have received, have a life, live a life of devotion to the one who gave himself for you. To offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. Every day. Throughout the day. And all that we do. And all that we say. You know the word urge there in that passage literally means means a voluntary action. In other words, Paul is saying God is not a dictator. He's not going to make you do this. He's saying you voluntarily got to come and you got to offer yourself. You've got to worship him. You've got to devote yourself to him. I love what Max Licato says about worship. This is what he says. Worship is a voluntary act of gratitude offered by the saved to the Savior, by the healed to the healer, and by the delivered to the deliverer. And if you and I can go days without feeling an urge to say thank you to the one who saved, healed, and delivered us, then we do well to remember what he did. Worship is a lifestyle, and it's a lifestyle of devotion. Finally, we we said worship is a lifestyle of devotion and obedience. I've already said, therefore, I urge you that that's a voluntary act. In other words, that's something that you choose. You choose to worship. You choose to to be devoted, and you choose to obey. Obedience is a choice. You've got to choose it. And as you choose, in the scriptures here, in verse 2, it says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's it, what does it mean to be conformed to the pattern of this world? What it's referring to is the world, of flesh, and the devil. Can you say that with me? The world, of flesh, and the devil. And what the world, and the flesh, and the devil want to do is squeeze you into their mold. What that word pattern means, conform, is to put you in a mold, to pressure you, to act like they act, to think like they think, and we're, and we're facing that every day. What the Apostle Paul is saying, you have to choose. You have to choose. Are you going to conform, or are you going to choose to be Transformed. Because if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And you can choose every day to worship the Lord no matter what you're in, what you do, and who you're with. You can choose either to conform or be transformed. How does he say that we're to be transformed? Say it with me. By the renewing of our minds. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, We are going to worship God by spirit and by truth. And the truth shall set you free. But you need to know the truth. And when you know the truth and you are obedient to the truth, it sets you free. It just doesn't happen. You've got to know it and you've got to be obedient to it. And if you're willing to do that, it will set you free. It will set you free. So we're either going to be transformers or we're going to be conformers. We're either going to be transformers or conformers. We're either going to be, let me change it up, we're going to either be A thermostat or thermometer? A thermometer, it always, if you will, just helps you to know what's going on in the room, what the temperature of the room is. It conforms to its environment. However, a thermostat, it regulates. It transforms. It changes its environment. It can make it cooler. It can make it hotter. So we are either going to just fit into the culture or we're going to transform the culture. But it's a choice and something you have to choose to do. And how do you do that? By walking in the fullness of God's spirit and by being transformed by the renewing of the mind, by knowing the word of God. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of all this, this means. And I end with this. You hear me? Listen now. We said that the, what the definition of worship is, worship is a, say it with me, a lifestyle. A lifestyle of devotion and obedience. What's this look like? How's it happen? Well, I want to give you an illustration, and it's a hard one. It's a negative one, because I believe a lot of times in life, life is hard. And how do you worship God when things are going difficult? How do you stay devoted? How do you stay obedient when things aren't going the way you like? Many of you know my wife, Tammy, and you know, if you know her, you know she puts into practice the I am third principle. I am third. God first, other second, and I'm third. And if you ever met my wife and know my wife, she not only, I am third, she a lot of times lives her life like she's last. But she was in a job, a job many, many years ago. And she was working this job, and the people she was working with were absolutely, and I mean it. Absolutely, I met them. I, I saw them. I hung around with them. They were miserable people. I mean, they just—they just, they were negative. They were so self-centered, so self-absorbed, and miserable people. She's working this job, and I remember her coming home and talking about that—that that they just—they knew that she was a follower of, of Christ. And they were out, just openly antagonistic to her and to Jesus, right in the workplace. She would walk into the office and say hi to everybody, and they'd just turn right around and just start swearing at her, calling her all kinds of names. And the pressure, the pressure to respond the way that they were responding to, to her was enormous. But every day when she would come home, every day she would come home, she would be praying, she would be in her room, allowing the word of God to renew her mind. Every day when she'd go to work, she would be praying with me, asking for the fullness of God's spirit because she wanted to be a witness. She didn't want to conform to their pattern of behavior. And she never conformed. She just continued to go to work trying to be kind, not responding in a negative way. I remember one time they were having a potluck at the office, and she took a pie. And she took the pie in, and she gave it, like everyone else did. And one of the women who hated her the most, and hated Jesus the most, ate her pie. And she said to everybody, who made this pie? This pie is delicious. And Tammy said, I made it. And the woman literally picked up the pie In in the presence of everyone, especially Tammy, walked over to the garbage can and just dumped it into the garbage can. And then looked at her and then walked away. And this went on for months upon months, and it got really negative to the point where all the people in the office began to lie about Tammy to the boss. Until finally, the boss came to her and asked Tammy to lie. And how it all came down is they were losing their funding. So she came in and she told Tammy, she said, Tammy, I want you to write down that you are a counselor, not a teacher. Because if you write down a teacher, we won't be able to get the funding that we need. So we want you to write, I'm not, she goes, but I'm not a teacher. I mean, I'm not a counselor, I'm a teacher. I, I, well, I know that, but just write down, you want me to lie? Yeah, I want you to lie. No, I'm not going to lie. She said, okay, I'll give you a two-week notice, you can find another job. She walked out of the room. No one knew that the next day the people from Harrisburg, from corporate, were coming down to observe the program. It was a surprise visit. They walked into the program, observed everyone teaching. Then they gathered all the people together in a room and they said this. They said there's only one person we're going to give a high accommodation to. This person has met all of our expectations and standards. And this person is even above the standards. Everybody else, you need to listen to her. You need to watch her. You need to learn from her. You need to be trained by her. She is the only one that's doing it right. And of course, it was my wife, Tammy. And Tammy never heard again that she was going to be fired. But the oppression and the persecution continued. Till one day, God told Tammy to make a meal for that woman who hated her the most and hated him. And Tammy struggled. She told the Lord, he's just going to take the meal and throw it out. or She's just going to take the meal and throw it out. And God said, to her, don't worry about the results. Just be obedient. Make the meal and give it to this woman. So she made the meal, gave it to, to her amazement. When she gave the meal to the woman, the woman didn't swear. She didn't throw it away. She said, thank you. And in the next weeks and next months, all of a sudden, this woman began to speak very positively to Tammy and about Tammy. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the office began to speak very positively to Tammy. And the environment began to change. And then one day during a break, the woman walked up to Tammy and said, Why did you give me this meal, that meal that day? You had no idea. That I lost my second job. I didn't have any money. I gave all my money that month so that I could have a roof over my house. I didn't have any food and I was starving. How did you know to make that meal for me? And Tammy said this. She said that God prompted her. Because God saw her need. And God loved her. You know, the environment in that office was transformed. Because Jesus, because Tammy didn't conform. But that girl, that girl, her hope in a personal God that cared for her was restored. And that woman came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. We all need not to conform but transform. We need to live a life of worship every day. We need to live in such a way That we do not conform, but we are transformed. And therefore, we transform the people around us. It's not just about music. It's not just about singing. It's not just about Sunday. It's about living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you might be in this room, and you're sitting there saying, Pastor Ed, I, I don't even know how to have this relationship with this God. But I need him. I need him. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. I want you to know that today you can know this Jesus Christ who can forgive you and give to you eternal life. You can know this hope. He can change you no matter what's going on in your life. Would you please all bow your heads with me? If you today, might be one or two of you, just pray this prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, but praying this prayer, this is your opportunity to respond to God, knowing that you're not perfect, that you need a Savior. Knowing what he did on the cross he did for you and knowing as you commit yourself to him, he's committing himself to you. Pray this prayer with me. Oh, Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. I would ask you right now to forgive me of my sin. And I repent. I turn away from the way in which I'm living. And I commit myself to you because you're committed to me. I want my life to be devoted to you. I want to be obedient to you. I want my life to be transformed. So I ask you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be my Savior jesus name amen if you prayed that prayer please come to jamie and let him know that or if someone brought you today go and talk to them about this relationship god loves you and thank you so much for the privilege and the honor to open up the word of god to you this morning god bless you and have a great week